Hello, hello, welcome back to Your Brain Uncovered. Today I'm going to be discussing Alzheimer's disease with you and the ways to prevent it. So yeah, I mean, how many people are listening would like to live till the age of 80? Because I know I do, I really do. (laughs) And um, we all have this expectation of living into old age. But as terrifying as this may sound, um, this disease is going to affect one in two of us by the age of 85. And part of the fear around Alzheimer's stems from the sense that there's nothing we can do about it, despite decades of research where we still have no disease-modifying treatment and no cure. So if we're lucky enough to live long enough, Alzheimer's appears to be our brain's destiny. But maybe... It doesn't have to be. Now, what if I told you we could uh, change these statistics, literally change our brain's destiny without relying on a cure or like advancement in medicine? Now, let's begin by looking at uh, what we currently understand about the neuroscience of Alzheimer's. All right. Uh, So if if I was to show you two neurons, can you just picture two neurons with me? Maybe Google the picture with me. Uh, so yeah, the point of connection between those two neurons um, is called a synapse. The synapse is where neurotransmitters are released. This is where signals are transmitted, where communication happens. So this is practically where we um, feel, see, hear, think, desire, and remember. And the synapse is um, where Alzheimer's happens as well. Now, um, yeah, so during that business of communicating information in addition to releasing neurotransmitters like glutamate into the synapse, neurons also release a small peptide called amyloid beta. Now, normally amyloid beta is clearly um, uh, cleared away and metabolized by microglia, the generative cells of our brains. While the molecular causes of Alzheimer's are still debated, most neuroscientists believe that the disease begins when amyloid beta, beta uh, begins to kind of accumulate. So too much is released or not enough is cleared away and the synapse begins to pile up with amyloid beta. And when this happens, it binds to itself forming sticky aggregates called amyloid plaques. Now, that's what, that's, this term is highly linked to Alzheimer's. That's all you hear, amyloid plaques. Um, now, the only way we could be sure of amyloid plaques, uh, you know, accumulating is by doing a PET scan. Uh, because at this point, uh, you're obviously blissfully unaware, uh, and these might these usually start to accumulate way before the symptoms start to arise. Um, actually, at least 15 to 20 years of accumulation until you reach a tipping point, and then triggering, triggering like a molecular cascade that causes like clinical symptoms of the disease to, you know, come up. Now, prior to the tipping point, your lapses in memory might include things like. Why did I come into this room? Or what's his name again? Uh, Yeah, just stuff like that. Everyday things. Now, before you start freaking out, because I know you kind of would, I would. um, In fact, I'd argue that these examples might not even involve your memory because you actually didn't pay attention to what his name was. Or maybe um, you were talking on the phone when you went into the room. So, yeah. Yeah. and that, that's me making excuses for Alzheimer's. Now, after the tipping point, okay, back to our point. After the tipping point, the glitches in memory, language, and cognition become different. So instead of eventually finding your, um, finding out what his name is or remembering what room you went in, 
you never actually get the answer. So what happens when amyloid plaques um, accumulate to this tipping point? Do you, do you have any idea? Because I did mention microglia janitor cells. Okay, let me tell you. <laughs> Three seconds to think. Um, our microglia janitor cells become hyperactivated, releasing chemicals that causes inflammation and cellular damage. Now, we think they might actually start clearing away the synapses themselves. Now, we have this uh, crucial neuro- neural transport protein called tau, become which actually becomes like hyperphosphorylated and twists itself into something called tangles this thing right here chokes off the neurons from the inside and by mint alzheimer's um this causes massive inflammation and tangles and an all-out war at the synapse uh and eventually cell death um yeah practically um death at a um, neuron level neuronal level uh so yeah uh, <laughs> now, how can we intervene, right? Uh, many scientists are betting big on the simplest solution to keep um, amyloid plaques from reaching that tipping point, which means the discovery of a drug that is largely focused on developing a compound um, that could Im- either eliminate or reduce amyloid uh, plaque accumulation. So the cure for Alzheimer's will be likely to be um, a preventative medicine. Um, so yeah, we're going to have to take this pill before obviously we reach the tipping point and before the cascade um, is triggered. Uh, so yeah, we think this is why to date these kinds of... Um, how do I say this? Like, these kind of drugs have failed multiple times in clinical trials. And it's not because science is not well developed enough to find one it's because um people in these trials have already been symptomatic and it was too late to actually see the results uh or to cause any change uh so yeah think of amyloid plaques as a lit match okay at the tipping point the match sets fire to the forest and once the forest is ablaze it doesn't do any good to blow out the match you have to blow out the match before the forest you know catches fire uh so yeah I mean, before these clinical trials even happened, um, we knew that the influence of, you know, accumulating amyloid plaques. So, yeah. Um, how can I say this to you? Alzheimer's is quite tricky. It's like... The risk of developing it is like a seesaw scale, okay? So, we're going to pile um, the risk factors on one arm. And then when the other arm hits the floor, you are symptomatic and diagnosed. Do you know what I mean? It just happens all of a sudden. Uh, so yeah. Um, now, okay, let's look at your DNA, right? We've all inherited our genes from our moms and dads, obviously. And um, some of these genes will increase our risk and some will decrease it. So, um, so yeah, if you've inherited a rare genetic mutation that cranks out amyloid beta and this alone will tip your scale to the ground, you're more likely to develop Alzheimer's. Um, have you ever heard? No, I don't think anyone has. Um, have you? There's this gene variant. It's called um, APOE4. Now this one increases amyloid, and you can inherit a copy easily from your mom and dad, but still not get Alzheimer's. Um, so yeah, which means for most of us that DNA is not the determinant of Alzheimer's, but it does play a role. Um, so yeah, 
Now, we can't do anything about getting older. That's off the list. We can't do anything about the genes we've inherited. So far, we haven't been able to change our brain's destiny. So what about sleep? Okay, let's go back to sleep as a last resort. Uh, now, in slow-wave deep sleep, our glial cells um, rinse cerebral spinal fluid throughout our brains. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, clearing away metabolic waste that accumulated in our synapses while we were awake. Now, deep sleep in particular is like a power cleanse for the gene, for the brain and for our genes. But what happens if you shortchange yourself on sleep? Um, many scientists believe that poor sleep hygiene might actually be a predictor of Alzheimer's. And a single night of sleep deprivation leads to an increase in amyloid beta. And amyloid accumulation has been shown to disrupt sleep as well. So it's like an endless cycle. Uh, so yeah, we have like this positive feedback loop that's going to accelerate the tipping of that scale. Uh, what else? Cardiovascular health, uh, high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, smoking, high cholesterol have all been shown to increase our risk of developing Alzheimer's. Some autopsy studies have shown that as many as 80% of people with Alzheimer's also had cardiovascular disease. Now, aerobic ex exercise um, has been actually shown to decrease amyloid beta especially in studies on animal models of the disease. Um, yeah, and oh, and a heart-healthy like Mediterranean uh, lifestyle and diet can help counter the tipping of the scale. So yeah, there are many things we can do to prevent or delay the onset of Alzheimer's, but um, yeah, hopefully that's the right side. <laughs> um, but what happens if you were like, You've reached 65, okay? You're a 65-year-old individual listening to this at the moment. Now, let's imagine your amyloid plaques have reached that tipping point and um, there's no more prevention to be done. I have you've tripped the cascade and you've set fire to a forest that caused inflammation, tangles, and cell death. Uh, so yeah, you're practically symptomatic for Alzheimer's. Um, well, you shouldn't be as worried either. Why? Uh, it's because for you to have a full-blown disease pathology ablaze in your brain, um, there would be more than one trigger beforehand. And just by raising awareness on this, you're, you'd be able to maneuver your way through into a healthier lifestyle to help you know, prevent it easily or to delay the onset of Alzheimer's. Um, so yeah. It's quite complex. I mean, the brain does have over 100 trillion synapses, which is fantastic, but it means that there's a lot of work to be done. And it's not, and this is just, this is not even a static number, okay? So yeah, we, we gain and lose synapses all the time through a process, process called neuroplasticity, um, which has gained its own niche recently. Um, every time we learn something, we're creating and strengthening new neural connections, new synapses. Uh, yeah, so, oh, there's this really interesting non-study. Uh, it's It was done on, like, I think it was, like, 678 nuns. Yeah, and they were all over the age of 75 when the study began, and they were followed for more than, you know, two decades. Um, they were physically, they were given, like, regular physical checkups and cognitive tests, and when they died, their brains were all donated for autopsy. Now, in some of these brain scientists discovered something surprising. Despite the presence of plagues and tangles and brain shrinkage, what appeared to be unquestionable um, was that the nuns who had belonged to uh, brain, well, the brains that belonged to the nuns that showed no signs of the disease uh, while they're alive performed 
how do I say it? Perform better. Now, how can this be? We think it's because, um, well, actually, I'm not. It's quite intriguing because I read the study, and they, what they assumed was that there was a high. They had those nuns had high levels of cognitive reserve, which is a way of saying that well, they had more functional synapses. Um, so yeah, if well, overall, reaching a conclusion, they stated that people who have more years of formal education, who have high degree of literacy, who engage regularly in like mentally stimulating activities, all have more cognitive reserve, and they have an abundance and a redundancy, a redundancy in neural connections. So even if they have a disease like Alzheimer's, compromising some of their synapses, they still got many extra backup connections, and this buffers them from noticing that well anything is um, amiss. Uh, so yeah, um, now I, I hope you've learned a thing or two from me here, and that is the way the best way to combat Alzheimer's is by um, actually engaging in mentally stimulating um, activities um, and creating a good abundant cognitive reserve for, uh, reserve for yourself by learning new things. Um, and ideally, you want these things to be as rich in meaning as possible. So you'd be able to recruit your sight, your sound, and make associations and, um, yeah, tie them down to emotions. That's the best way to go. So, yeah, that really doesn't mean you need to be doing crossword puzzles. Um, yeah, it means... Um, it means just paving new neural roads so that when ones get destroyed, you have neural reserves. That's practically it. And that's how you build an Alzheimer's resistant brain until um, eventually a cure is to be found, hopefully anytime soon. <laughs> so yeah, um, maybe you can learn to speak Italian. Maybe you can try meeting new friends or read a book um, or listen to this podcast. <laughs> so yeah. Um, Okay, so I hope this has been of good use. And I just, there's there's this constant fear and debate going around Alzheimer's. Know that it's not, it's not a dead end. You don't wake up one day and you lose all your emotional memory. You, having awareness about the consequences that come with it and knowing that there are some prevent, preventative um, methods to use and tactics to use in hand before this happens is a good way to start right uh yeah and and even if you have a loved one that has alzheimer's know that they're able to understand love and joy so uh, give them that as much as you can um okay so i i hope if you have anything to remember from this podcast i hope this reminds you um of well the blessing of having a memory and being safe and sound mentally physically and everything um yeah that's that's one thing i want you to remember uh, before anything hits um i hope this has been of good use and um thank you so much for listening all the way till the end and i hope you have an amazing day bye